0: How are y'all doing? We doing good? Awesome. Amen. All right, so we're gonna talk this morning with you. I wanna share with you a little bit about, uh, about hunger, being hungry, hunger and thirst for what is right and for what is good. So I wanna challenge you this morning, if you're a, a part of Elevate and part of our family to get connected to one of the groups, to one of the life groups. Um, somebody was bragging about uh, Sean's group or something like that. And I guess these guys go, you know, our, our groups are typically not that long, but it seems to be there's a party going on at Sean's group, wherever Sean is. And uh, you guys are going late, but there's good stuff going on at that group. So I want to bless you with that. I want to encourage you to get connected to a life group. Men's is this week as well. So men's group's going to happen this week. I want to get you to go to that too. That's pretty bomb. Uh, there's a saying we have at our men of valor men's group. Anybody know what that, that saying is? Whatever happens at men's group, what? That's right, stays at the men's group. That's right, try to create a safe place to share and to be encouraged. Also, uh, if you want to know what this Holy Spirit thing's all about, we do a class on uh, called Fire Starters. It starts tonight, it's at 4 o'clock. It'll run about 6 to 8 weeks. And tonight we're going to talk about hearing the voice of God and we're going to do some activation in the prophetic. So uh, if you've never been, uh, we'd like you to come. If you've been before, we get a lot of... Uh, Repeat fans to Firestarters. If you've been to Firestarters and you just love Firestarters, come on down. It's going to be a good time. That's going to be this afternoon at 4 o'clock. You will have to pay for parking this afternoon. In case you don't know this, too, I don't even know why I'm doing all these announcements. What is this? Am I the announcement guy now? But it, we have free parking till 3 o'clock, so just in case you know that, you didn't know that. So the city, in their generosity, thank you, 305, bless you, Miami. Uh, they've given us free parking out here for till 3 o'clock in the afternoon, but after 3, you have to pay. So Fire Starters will have to pay. So... Anyway, moving on. Are you with me? Yes, all right. So God made us to hunger. Every one of us, we get hungry, don't we? We get hungry from time to time, we get hungry all the time. Some of us are nonstop hungry. We're like teenagers, we are just like, you know, we eat anything that's put in front of us. We're made hungry and there's a type of hunger that God has placed within us. And that type of hunger, there's a drive and a pursuit that we all possess. Every one of us is hungry in some way to no- look for meaning. We're looking for significance. We're trying to understand what, every- what everything in life means. This is a drive, and it's called an intrinsic value. It's something that every human being possesses. There's actually questions that go along with this. They're called intrinsic questions. And an intrinsic question is, who, who am I? What am I? Where do I belong? What does it all mean? Anybody ever ask that question? You all have asked that question because it's an intrinsic question. God's made you with a question inside of you. Adam, when he was made, the same root word for the word Adam is the same root word for the Hebrew word manna. Manna was the bread that came down from heaven. And when the bread came down from heaven, the Hebrew children looked at it and said, what is it? And so so that manna is actually called what? And Adam has the same root word as the word manna. And so Adam was created as a question. You're created as a question. Did you know that? God created man and woman woman to question. What? Question everything. Why? Because he's truth. Jesus doesn't have a problem with you asking questions because he is the answer. Jesus doesn't have a problem with you looking for answers because he's he's the truth of all things that we, we, we pursue. And in putting that question within man's heart and within woman's heart, it creates a natural instinct to pursue him. This is what Acts says in that they would, pursue, they would seek after him. God did certain things or allowed certain things to happen in man's life in order to cause man to pursue him. The wise pursue him, the fools don't. You're here this morning. You're the wisest people on the planet. Did you know that? You guys should give yourself a round of applause for the wisdom that you're demonstrating here this morning. And <laughs> Those who love Jesus, it's wise. it's wise. Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for what is right, for they shall be filled. Blessed when you're hungry. Blessed when you're hungry? Yeah, blessed when you're hungry. Jesus wants you hungry. He wants you hungry. Hungry for what? Hungry to know and experience God. This word righteousness, I'll just throw this out there. The word righteousness means what is right to God. So anytime the Bible speaks of righteousness, it's not what is right to a government, it's not what is right to you, it's not what is right in a cultural collective opinion, it is what is right to God. So when we pursue what is right, it doesn't matter what anybody else's opinion says, that's not what we're to chase after. We're to chase after what is right to the Lord, whether we agree with it or whether we don't. Mm? It's a tough one. (laughs) More on that another time. We're created with a hunger and a desire to know and experience the Lord. You're not just to know Jesus, you were commanded and called and summoned to experience him. It's not enough to know him. He wants you to experience him. There's a difference, there's two Greek words. One's called gnosis and it means to know. I know, I know, I know. There's another one called epignosis and it means to experience, to experience. Now let's just play this game. There's a hot stove and you look at that hot stove and you say, now I know I shouldn't put my hand on that hot stove. That really doesn't have quite the impact that it does if you put your hand on that hot stove. You have a whole other level of experience now. Your knowledge has just increased. You will probably never put your hand on a hot stove again, not because you know it, but because you experienced it. It's the same way with the Lord. When we experience the Lord, no one can take that experience from you. No one can remove that from you. When you get healed and you say, I don't believe in healing. Well, you didn't get healed. You know what I'm saying? One of my favorite, favorite testimonies when we were traveling was this girl, 85% blind. I could watch that video all day. The video that we shot doesn't even capture half of what went on there. 85% blind and she got healed. Hallelujah. It was amazing. It was amazing. It was epic. Epic. People go, I don't believe that. Even people when I show the video are like, was she really blind? Her, bottle or her glasses are like Coke bottles, man. I took her glasses off, I said, how far can you you see? She said, this far. And if you watch the video, she's standing, reading the screen. She's pointing things out in the room. She couldn't do that 40 minutes before. She's an experiential knowledge. No one's ever gonna tell her Jesus doesn't heal because she experienced it. No one's ever gonna tell you you can't speak in tongues when you speak in tongues. No one's ever gonna tell you God doesn't speak when you've heard his voice. No one's ever gonna tell you that God doesn't come through when he's come through. You've experienced that, amen? And what he's done before he'll do again and again and again, it's called faithfulness. He's faithful, he wants us to experience him so that we can understand his nature is good. It's one thing to know he's good, it's another thing to experience it. If he's delivered you before, he'll deliver you again. He's that good. And he wants us to draw from the experiences that we have had, man, God's done this before. He'll do it again. Lots of stories on that throughout the Bible. Don't have time to develop that, but that's a good thought. Hungry to know God and to experience him. Be hungry not just to know him. This is why our church is flatline. We have congregations, but we don't have power. We have congregations, but we don't have cultural, societal, family. We don't have transformation on any level. Flatline, maybe a little every now and then. Doo-doo, you know, no life, barely any life at all. If a pulse, the way we create life is we put a Ferrari on the stage. Well, that'll get some people excited. Is that what we need? We substitute the Ferrari for the Holy Spirit. Is that what we, is that really where we're at? Have we we really come to that place where we have disco lights? I'm all in on lights, I'm all in on production value, I'm all in on a cool band and great and amazing dynamic worship. But does the worship bring the fullness? Does it bring the fullness or is it just a performance? That's the question. Does the teaching bring life change or is it just eloquent speech? Does the teaching bring challenge and transformation or are they just cunning words of wisdom? Do you walk out of there going, wow, that guy was an amazing speaker. Yeah, he had cool hair. Did you see his skinny jeans? I know. How does he even get into those pants? Or do you walk out like, wow, that wrecked me. Wow, I gotta reevaluate my life. Wow, I gotta take some inventory. Or wow, I didn't have hope when I walked in the door, but I have hope now. The message is to bring transformation. And we substitute carnality for spirituality. I'm sorry, that's just the way it is, Christian. The American church is anemic because of it. It's anemic. We possess the most knowledge, we possess the most resources, yet we are anemic. Anemic. How do you know? I just came from I just came from I was in 14 countries in three months. I'm in Europe. They don't have any resources and they barely have knowledge. But you know what they got? People on their face, believing God to change Europe. Amen. Change Europe! Amen. They cry it out. "Lord, change Europe!" They're on their knees in a meeting, like I'm in a meeting with a guy and his, his pager goes off or some alarm goes off. Guy drops to his knees in a meeting and says, all of Europe will be saved. Jesus, we give you permission, heal Europe, change Europe. Watch what happens to Europe in 10 years. Huh? While we're disco dancing, woo, and got Ferraris on the stage, they're believing God to change their land. They're believing God to change their land. They're calling down the fire of God in transformative power. There are freaks over there, man. I was at a conference in Amsterdam. I was like, I got to up my freaking game. I go to America and I don't really feel like I have to up my game. I'm around, guys, and I'm like, you know, I know I'm varsity. Not because it's ego, because I can look around and see my peers. I go over there and I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to up my game. Not from a knowledge standpoint, but from a passion standpoint. I've got to rise. I've got to rise. These guys are not going to outpassion me. No way. No way. You should be the same way. You should be the same way. We should hunger for God to do something in our land, do something in his city. All of Miami will be saved in the name of Jesus. We should believe for cultural transformation, restoration, every level. My whole family will be saved in the name of Jesus. Some of you need to be, my marriage will be saved in the name of Jesus. Just like she said, the devil is not taking my breast. You are not taking my breast, devil. They want to take out one of my wife's ovaries. This is a story she shared with Selena. And I'm sitting in there and they're saying, oh you, gotta, oh, you gotta take this ovary out. And I'm freaking out, I'm sitting in a chair. You know, I'm like, ooh, man of faith and power. Man of faith and power sitting in a chair and I felt like I had nothing in me. I was just like, no, I had no oxygen. They're telling me you're gonna take out one of my wife's ovaries. And I'm walking out of the room and I'm like, what? You know, I'm walking out like this and Sherry's looking at me and she's like, I'm excited. My wife's like, "True, I'm like, you're excited? She's like, I'm excited. I said, why? And she said, "The devil's not taking my ovary." I said, "The devil's not taking my ovary." She said, "I'm excited." Accept- Where's your faith? Where's your faith? All things are possible to what? That's right. It was it easy, Selena? No, it's not easy. It's not easy. If you think you're going to get confetti in a parade, you're not because you believe you're not. You're going to have to fight the fight of faith, and it's a knife fight. It's an alley fight. You want the things of God, you've got to put a rag on your head and a knife in your teeth, and you've got to go, it's on. And if you don't have that kind of mentality, he will beat you every time. You will lose. Because he's, he's smart. The devil's smarter than you and stronger than you. But he's not smarter than Jesus, and he's not more powerful than Jesus. He's a defeated foe. But if you want to take him on in the natural, you'll lose. You take him on in the spirit, you always win. Faith is of the spirit. The natural mind is the enemy of God. You want to take him on with your own understanding? Good luck. Good luck. Wish we could put down bets on that. I can like, you know. You'll lose. You have to fight the fight of faith and be willing. That's how you experience God's promises. That's how you experience breakthrough. We talk about breakthrough. Everybody wants it. Let's experience it. Can we be hungry for these things? Can we stir up a hunger to see our city saved? Can we please? Can we stir up a hunger to see your life transformed? Can we please? Can you stir up a hunger to see something different and see the power of God into your life? Can we please? Can we please? (laughs) Or not. (laughs) Or not. Was it Thoreau, he said, that men and women leave lives of quiet desperation, quiet desperation desperation, never doing anything, desperate for something that they don't have the courage to reach for. Clock's ticking, Christian. Clock's ticking. Clock is ticking, right? I don't know what quarter of life you're in, but the game's on. There's no more dress rehearsal. You're on the stage. It's time to perform. Game time. Game time's now. Right now. Another story, another day. About to go down to Detherton Lane. Back over here, Kevin. Hungry to know and experience God. Jesus wants us hungry. Jesus wants us hungry for our inheritance. She just demonstrated you inheritance this morning. This is a great illustration for this message. She's like, That's not my inheritance. Doctor's telling her all that stuff. She's like, That's not my inheritance. Cancer is an invader to my body. I don't own cancer, and cancer doesn't own me. Where's your faith? Where's your faith? Where is your faith? say i don't have any faith get the faith of god you can borrow his faith do you know that he'll give you his faith lord i don't believe give me the faith to believe he'll give you the faith to believe and you know what jesus believes his faith is perfect there's not a doubt in his mind he knows what's going on not a doubt we just draw from his faith if you don't have faith say this if i look to myself for faith This is a rule. This is actually a a very powerful truth. If I look to myself for faith, I will always lose. Because the measure of faith that you have is not sufficient. You need the faith of God. Drawing faith from yourself, you will see very quickly, if you're looking to yourself for faith, how little you really have. (laughs) Just a thought. We need to be hungry for our inheritance. We need to be hungry for the promises, and we need to be hungry for revival. What is revival? It's re-life, re-life, revival, re-life. Sherry did a teaching over. and I told her it's one of the best messages I've ever heard her teach. I hope she's hearing me. Oh yeah, she is. There you go. See, guys, when your wife's in the room, take that shot. Shoot that. Shoot that three when Sherry's when your wife is in the room. So it was one of the best messages I thought I think I've ever heard her teach. And it was unstopping these wells of revival, and it wasn't like talking about revival necessarily in the world. How many knows that sometimes your life needs revival? You need a re life in your life, right? You need something to happen in your business. You need something to, ha- I need a revival in my marriage. Good God, I need a revival in these children, right? We need to be hungry for a revival, which is an awakening and a re life. Here's one on hunger, John four, woman at the well. You say that's not about hunger, Kevin. That's about thirsty, it's about being thirsty. Well, let's see. Jesus went to Samaria to meet an unwanted woman The Bible says he had to go through Samaria. This woman was unwanted. Nobody wanted her. She'd lived a life of brokenness. She'd lived a life of poor choices. She had basically blown her life up several times, and she was shot out, shot out, coming to the well at noon because no one else was going to be there. She didn't want anybody to see her. She didn't want anybody to know about her. She was hiding, but Jesus was waiting for her, sitting on the edge of the well. (laughs) Crazy. And Jesus meets her at the well, and he says, give me something to drink. He says, you don't have anything to draw with. He said, if you knew who I was, you'd ask me. That's where some of you Christians are at. I'll tell you this, that's a, that, that story to me is, one of the, that's, is a life story for me. And the whole story sums up in that. I'm not gonna go there, but I wanna point this out. That whole story is summed up. If you knew the gift of God who was in front of you, you would ask. I can tell people, and I tell people this all the time, I can tell the, devil, the level and the depth that you know Jesus by what you're asking for. People say, I know Jesus, I know Jesus. And I say, what are you asking him for? Well, nothing. I'm just just asking him for serenity now. Just, Lord, get me through the day. So I'm asking, you don't know who he is. If you knew who I was, you would ask me, he told the woman. The evidence of your knowing him, understanding him, connecting to him is directly related to what you are asking God for. What are you asking him for? Nothing. We know what you're going to get if you ask for nothing. We shoot for the moon. And even if we land among the stars, that's still a pretty good place, right? Some of you, you need to begin to believe God for something. I mean, this message is turning into a message on faith. You need to believe God for something. you say, I don't know what to believe God for. Ask the Holy Spirit. Lord, what do you want me to believe for? Yeah, but listen to Him. Let the Holy Spirit tell you what he wants you to believe him for. The Holy Spirit knows what you want more than you do. Did you know that? You don't know what you're doing, he does. You don't know what you want, he does. You don't know what you're designed for, he does. And when you develop the relationship with the Holy Spirit, he'll tell you. Say, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to believe for? I want you to believe me to get you out of the ordinary. I want you to believe me to transform what you think is impossible. He'll tell you what he wants you to believe for. And that's just the first start of this journey with him. But so this woman, he said, if you knew who I was, you would ask. All her life she'd been rejected, unaccepted, and Jesus was there. Because you know why? Je- say it with me. Jesus always wants the unwanted. You say, nobody wants me. Happy day. Everybody's rejected me. Happy day. I don't like myself. Happy day. Jesus wants the unwanted. We were in Ireland and uh, one of the intercessors there for this church, or this I don't know where she was from, but she was telling me, I did a message, I don't know what I was talking about, something. And uh, she said, I I just want you to know that um, Ireland has an orphan spirit. And I said, can you describe that for me? And she said, well, our lords and our earls abandoned us centuries ago. And she said, England doesn't want us. She said, and our own government can't even seat itself right now. And our government is talking about ways to end the country as a nation and all these different, these things. So she said, Ireland has no leader and Ireland is unwanted and is orphaned. And I was like, wow. And when she said that, I felt this weight of sadness when she was saying that. She was sitting in a chair and I was standing in front of her. I just felt this sadness. And so I was like, what do you say to that Lord? And I felt like the Lord went, happy day. I want the unwanted. And so I told him, I said, there's an opportunity here. I said, this is an opportunity. And so when I got a chance to speak the next time, I said, look, I'm gonna lead you guys in a prayer and I told the story and had everybody stand and I said, we're gonna give the Lord permission to become the father of this land. We're gonna give the Lord permission to become the husband of this land. I said, the husbandman, the one who keeps the land, your lords and your earls have abandoned you. That's what a husbandman is, the one who keeps the land. They've abandoned you. I said, the Lord will be your husband. I said, you're orphaned, you have no father. The word father is leader, leaderless. You're leaderless, the Lord will be your father. And as we began to pray this, and began to call that out, you know, and I had all these people praying it, I saw in, in, in the spirit when I was praying it, it was really powerful. I saw a hand come in front of me, and on this hand was a green emerald with gold on it, and, and I felt like the Lord was showing it off. He was like, this, like, look, they're making me their husband. They're making me their husband. I felt like it was, it was tripping because I'm seeing this while I'm praying it. And then afterwards, I started processing it. And I was like, what was I seeing? And the Lord was showing me. And then the emerald. Then I didn't even realize green, emerald, Ireland. I wasn't even making the connection, right? And it was a green emerald on his finger. And the Lord was like, he was excited. He's like, they're making me their husband. They're making me their husband. Do you know how much he loves? And do you know that God cannot activate in your life until you give him permission? You say, God's going to do what he wants to do. That is not true at all. That is not true. You must invite him and you must allow him. Amen. Right? That's why we give the Holy Spirit permission to move because he will not move unless you give permission. God wants to save the world, but he isn't saving anybody unless they give him permission. Amen. You get how this works? He's just not going to do it, Christian. You've got to partner and connect with him. I'm telling you, man, something's going to happen in Ireland. I'm excited. I'm excited to see what's going to happen in the next two or three years. I believe God's going to start moving there like never before because they just made him their husband and they just asked him to be their father. Some of you, you're fatherless. I don't know why I am talking like this but I'm going to go for it. it. Let's do it. Some of you, you grew up fatherless. I grew up fatherless. My dad abandoned me and my family long ago and when I became a Christian, I asked the Lord to be my father. I said, I know no father but you. You be my father and the Lord has been more than faithful, right? More than faithful. And some of you, you need to take up that calling. You sit here and feel sorry for yourself, for everything you don't have. Nobody wants me. My mom don't want me. My dad don't want me. My husband don't want me. I don't want me. The cat don't want me. The dog don't want me. Jesus wants you. Jesus wants you. Jesus loves you. And give him the permission to occupy that dead space in your life and watch what happens. Give him permission to be the true father to you. Give him permission to be the true husband, the true mother. God can do it all. You understand that? The Bible says he nurtures us like a mother. He leads us like a father. He works us like a husbandman. That's what it means to work the land. A husbandman works the land. Another story, another day. Give God the permission, give Jesus the permission to fill that dead space in your life and watch what he does. Watch what he does. It's not about your losses, it's about what you have. You have the greatest asset in the world if you're a Christian. You have Jesus and you have the Holy Spirit. But if you don't access or use them, they mean nothing. It means nothing. It's a bank account that you don't write checks on. It's a car that you won't put the key in. Oh, you have it, looks good. good. But there's nothing. There's no benefit of it to it in your life. Hmm? Adam and Eve were created and the Bible says the Lord blessed them. The very first job man and woman had was to learn to allow their father to bless them. That was job one. Before go and create culture. Because they could not go and create culture until they learned how to be blessed of their father. Job one. He created them and he blessed them. Uh, the command upon the life of the Christian is to go and create the culture of the heaven on earth. That's the command. That is an absolute fact. But we cannot do that until we learn to understand how to receive the blessings of our Father. And the vast majority, sad to see, don't have, it, don't have any clue. I'm still trying to figure it out, and I pursue this stuff. I chase it. I'm, I'm morning, noon, and night. I'm on it. I'm reaching. I'm reaching. I'm straining. I'm going for it. I'm going, you know. I want to know. I got one life to live. And I want to know him in this world. (laughs) Amen? Learn how to receive that blessing. Because the blessing's not about you. Do you understand that? We have this warped perspective that thinks that we think, well, the blessing's all about me, and I don't want to be selfish. No, the blessing is in you, through, and through you. You can't bless anybody unless you're blessed, right? You see, I'd love to give $10,000 to the preschool, but I don't have it. Well, he can't bless you until you understand blessing. Just a thought. You can't help anyone until you understand that. Job one for them was that. Jesus gave to her and she went and lit up the city. She was looking for something. I got to go fast. She was looking for something and he gave it to her. And her life lit up because he satisfied her. But that was the thirst. But where's the hunger? When Jesus is sitting on the thing, the disciples come up to him. They say, master, eat. And Jesus says what? I have food to eat that you know not of. This story is about thirst, but it's also about hunger. Jesus was not hungry for food. He was hungry for revival. He was hungry to reach the lost. He was hungry to meet that woman, a social influencer who would affect an entire town. That's what he was hungry for. The disciples wanted happy meals, Jesus wanted revival. God is hungry. He's hungry for a revival in your life. He's hungry for a revival in your city. And he's hungry for a revival in, in, in every sphere of the world. God's hungry for revival. Are you? Are you? Come on. <laughs> hunger is a longing for something. Here's Deuteronomy. He, he caused them to hunger and suffer lack. What? What? That they would know that they don't live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds forth from the mouth of God. Some of you, the hunger and the lack in your life is because you're trying to do something without the Lord. If you are a Christian, you are symbiotically bound to the kingdom. In other words, you must partner with the kingdom, or your life in some form will be in deficit. He will cause you to lack because He's like, You're not doing this without me. You're not. We're in this together. <gasps> Just a thought maybe it's a thought, maybe if you took your business and you began to partner it with Jesus, you'd see things change, just a thought. Maybe if you took your marriage and you began to partner with Jesus, you'd see things change, just a thought, just a thought. Maybe if you took your money and you started partnering with Jesus, you'd see things change. Maybe if you took your time and you started partnering it with Jesus, you'd see things change, just a thought. Just a thought. Proverbs 16 says, "'The appetite of the worker works for them, "'and their hunger drives them.' "'What you're hungry for will drive you.' What you are hungry for will drive you. Say it with me. Hunger is good. Hunger is good. But it must, be it must be directed correctly. Right. Don't even have time. There's a lot I want to say on this, but I don't have time to say it. I always feel so constrained by time. So if you knew me, you knew, you know when I write these messages, something like like thongstar, I won't get into it, but I know I was gonna write something different uh, for this for today. And I'm like, I don't have anything to say, Jesus. And he grabs me and he shakes me. Wake up, warrior. Grab hold of yourself and release the well. (laughs) And so I start writing this message and it it starts literally writing itself. Hunger is good, Christian, but you must direct it correctly. When people are hungry, why are people driven towards dark things? Because it is a misaligned hunger. That hunger is misaligned and it is traveling a road of brokenness, an appetite that's not of God. And the reason is, is there's a brokenness in that person's life and that's what drives that appetite in the wrong, in the wrong direction. God wants you to be hungry. We think if we want something, it's a sin. Who told you that? Hunger is of God. It's of God. Success is of God. It's of God, right? Prosperity is in the gospel. It's not a prosperity gospel, but prosperity is in the gospel. It's there. Deuteronomy eight eighteen. God, The Lord your God has given you the power to obtain wealth that you might establish His covenant. I was talking with a guy and he was asking me about money and I said, listen, God doesn't give wealth. He gives the power to obtain it. He doesn't, God doesn't give wealth. He gives you the power to obtain it. What is that? Ideas, creative concepts, open doors, opportunities. He gives you the ability to obtain it, but he isn't giving you the well. You have to take what he gives you and manifest it. That's a whole other ball game. And you don't just manifest it that way. You do it for his glory. He says why he gives you the money: to establish my covenant, to support my work, to build my kingdom, to propagate my gospel, to support my local church, and the ventures through there. That's why I give it to you. I'm not giving it to you so you can go get a Maybach. I'm not giving it to you so you can start flexing on Instagram. That's not why I'm giving it to you. I'm giving it to you, so, you can, so that you can establish my covenant in the land. And if you will do that, I'll give you more. I'll give you more. Are you hungry? What are you hungry for? Jesus wants you to be hungry. It's possible to be full and still die. In China, they had a famine. So the people started eating dirt. They still eat dirt in some regions. But because there was no food, the people started eating dirt. And actually they started making this clay and they were able to actually bake and create food out of this clay. And they would eat this clay, but the clay had no nutritional value. So while their bodies were full, the the absence of nutrients caused them to starve even though their bellies were full. Hmm, is that possible? Yes, it is possible. It's possible for us to be full of certain things and yet starving at the same time. It's possible. That's a message all on its own. <laughs> Proverbs 15, 14. A wise person is hungry for truth and knowledge, but the fool feeds on trash. The fool feeds on trash. What? But I like checkers, bastard. I'm not talking about food, man. I'm talking about there's a lot of trash that we feed on. Another story. Ecclesiastes my favorite guys, I love Solomon and I love the book of Ecclesiastes. You're like, dude, that book's a downer. I think that book's enlightening. I like Ecclesiastes. It shows me what time it is. Uh, Solomon's a guy who fed a lot on trash, right? The theme of the book is what does it mean? What does it all mean? So here's the theme of, of the book of Ecclesiastes. What does it all mean? That's the theme. It has another theme too. The second theme is, What am I doing with my life? Anybody feel that way? Ecclesiastes is a book for you. What does it all mean? And what am I doing with my life? (laughs) Solomon was a guy. He pursued everything. He was given great opportunities. He pursued education. He's like, I know the meaning of life is getting smart. I'm going to get me some PhDs, yo. I'm going to get me some sheepskin and paper on the wall. Then I'm going to be somebody. And he says, books and study is weariness. For in knowledge is much sorrow. The more you know, the more pain you understand. Don't you? I'll give you another one. The more you know, the more you realize how stupid people are. You're like, I'm surrounded by idiots. True. True. Money. He pursued money. He said, it's meaningless. It's the chasing of the wind. He says, the more I get, the more I want. Can I get a witness? And then he says, then I gotta accumulate all this and I gotta leave it to somebody else. <laughs> and he's like, and I don't know if that guy's gonna be wise or if he's gonna be a fool. He's like, it's meaningless. i built all this money, now I gotta hand it off to that. Oh my gosh. He said, I gave myself to women, women, partying, Pleasure, and I gave myself. So, what he's saying is, I took a season of my life, and I said, I know where I'm going to find meaning. I'm going to find meaning having parties, chasing girls, and it says that I had so many. He says I had so many, so many women. I was the envy of the sons of Israel. They're all like, "Yo, who's Solomon with this week, man? What?" And he said it was meaningless and empty and chasing of the wind. He had singers and bands. Huh? Party rocking at the palace. All the big bands playing the palace. Woo! Solomon's throwing a party tonight. Let's go. And one day he woke up, probably after a 4-day binge, looked himself in the mirror and said, "What am I doing with my life?" Some of you have been there, right? Wake up, shot out, hung over, strung out. What am I doing with my life? This is meaningless. I'm destroying my body. I'm broke. I don't even know. Where's my pants? I mean, I don't know. Where's, you know? Dude, you see my car? Dude, I don't even know. You don't even have any pants on, man. You're asking me where your car is. Where's your pants? Too close? Is that too close for you? Too close? He had 4,000 chariots. He had a Ferrari in every color. I love this story. 50 dudes ran in front of him. 50 dudes. Can you imagine? So Solomon's going to go for a cruise. He's going to break out the chariot. Nah, 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 man. Don't don't give me the 22s. Give me the the chariot with the 24s. I want the one with the really big wheels on it. That's the one I want. So they come pulling that out, one of his 4,000. And then all the boys are going to run in front of him. He's got 50 guys that just come from CrossFit gym. And they're oiling themselves up. No, they're oiled. The Bible says they were covered in gold dust. Can you imagine? I bet you that was a show. Before there was a GQ magazine or like a men's house, all the women would go and just, we're going to, what's happening? Oh, Solomon's going to go for a ride. We're going to go down there, you know, before the fireman's calendar. Everybody would be checking out these guys flexing before, you know, Solomon's coming. And so they would run before him. Do do, do, do do you think you have an entourage? Do you have 50 brothers running in front of your car covered in gold? Don't talk to me about an entourage until you've got 50 brothers running in front of your car covered in gold. Then you can say you have an entourage. He had 50 people running in front of his car Solomon riding in a chariot in white. They would be like in purple and blue, and he would be in white, gleaming like the sun. Just cruising around, letting everybody check him out. Telling everybody there's a party at the palace tonight. Party rocking, baby, at the palace, let's go. This is this is in your Bible. That's not how it reads, Pastor. Well, let's put it in modern terms because that is the modern presentation of what he was doing. That's what he was doing. He said, "I became a fool. I gave myself to a season of foolishness. I did everything stupid under the sun." That's what he says. Just think of the movie Jackass, and you'll get a pretty good idea of what song he said. Whatever was stupid, I did it. I did it. Hey, dude, you think you can crush a beer can on your head? I don't know. Let's find out. <laughs> Yeah. You think you'll break a leg if we shove you down the hill in a shopping cart? I don't know. Let's find out. He said, I gave myself to stupidity and foolishness and folly. And then he said, I gave myself to wisdom. And he said, I concluded, I love this wisdom is greater than folly. (laughs) Really? Wow. Mind bomb, bro. Wisdom is greater than folly. He says, The fool walks in darkness, but the wise too will die. This too is vanity says, doesn't matter how much, how much wisdom I accumulate, I'm still going to die. It's crazy. He said, yet when I surveyed all the work of my hands and the work that it took to achieve it, that's it, right? When I looked at everything I'd done and then I thought about, man, I worked my butt off to do this. What does it all mean? What does it all mean? It means nothing. And he comes to the conclusion, Solomon couldn't get past himself. He couldn't get past himself. Solomon saw everything in light of himself. He comes to the conclusion as he says, do something that you love and honor the Lord. That's the conclusion of the whole book. The whole book is do what you love passionately and serve God. I would put it this way, serve God and do what he's created you to do passionately. That's the force of that. Hungry for purpose. So number one priority if you want purpose is you've got to seek the Lord. You seek the Lord in worship, you seek the Lord in his word, and you seek the Lord in his spirit. You're created for purpose. Your life and your soul will not let you rest. That's why people are restless until you start moving and understanding and discovering what you're created for. And I got a news for you. You're not created for you. Clue phone, ring, ring. It's not about you. Not about you. You're not created for you. You're created for the Lord. Uniquely designed to fulfill something in this world for his glory. Are you hungry for purpose? Prepare yourself. This is an interesting thing. I'm going to go, well, I'm going to be about five minutes over. I'm going to try to wrap it up. You have to prepare yourself. How many knows there's seasons in life? Anybody know that? Right? We have seasons. We have natural seasons. We have winter. And what comes after winter? Spring. Every year, right? What comes after spring? Summer. And what comes after, I mean, we live in Miami, so we really don't understand anything. <laughs> the sun, I don't know, man. I was like, yeah, we don't, we don't see any of this. But, uh, or, <laughs> and what comes after summer? Fall. Oh, is that when the temperature drops 20 degrees? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we know that one. We got that one, right? These seasons in our life, they're meant to do something with us. Most people, what they do, I'll just tell you what most people do before I jump into this. Most people cry in winter. They cannot discern when it's time to sow. They're clueless in the summer and they sleep in the harvest. If you want purpose, you've got to discern the seasons of your life. You may be in a winter where you don't know what's going on. You're in a winter. Don't cry in the winter. You use the winter. You use the winter to prepare, to plan, and to get a strategy to go forward. If you don't, some people have been in winter for 40 years. They just don't never get out of winter. They stay in winter. Oh, they're moving forward in certain areas, but there's parts of their soul that are still in winter because they can't ever seem to get out. They can't ever seem to get their mind around the the need to move forward. You prepare in the winter. You prepare a strategy. You speak with the Lord. You get an understanding. You do whatever it takes to get that from him. You get a plan and a strategy, and you move forward where? Into spring. And what do you do in spring? In spring. You begin to work. Oh, that's a four-letter word, Pastor. I'm a Christian. I don't believe in that. Right? Most most Christians, we work, we work jobs. We don't really actually believe that faith has any work attached to it. (laughs) Yes, it does. When you get a plan from God, you go to work. You go to work with the Lord doing what he asks you to do. You got to plow fields and sow seeds. You've got to prepare the land that God has given you, and you've got to sow seeds. The easiest land that God has given you is your own heart and your own soul. Most Christians are undeveloped in their heart and their soul. Therefore, they can never even enter in. They can't enter in. They cycle from winter, spring starts, and then they cycle right back into winter because they don't understand. You have to invest in yourself. Hmm? You have to to create and invest in you. Whatever the arena you are called to, you must prepare yourself for that. And you keep investing in yourself and you keep getting better and you sow new seeds and you plant new fields and you keep going forward. Summer or spring is the season where we go to work and we sow the seeds. Summer is the season when we protect what we've been given. Some of you, there are things that are moving in your life and you have to protect and nurture what you've been given. If you neglect it, your crop will fail. When a farmer has something coming out of the ground, he goes out and he takes care of it. It's summer. He's taking care of it. He's protecting it and he's nurturing it. And then fall comes and that's when we harvest and we enter in. It's important to understand that, whatever season you're in, to know this. And, and just look, your, your life is, your, different areas of your life are gonna be in different seasons. Some of you, you're, in, you're, you're newly married, you're in springtime. Woo, hallelujah, right? That may be your spring. Others of you, you're in, a, you're, in a, you're in a harvest season with your job. You know, you're really reaping the benefits of a career that you've built, that's blessing too, awesome, good for you. So it's not just one generic thing. There are areas in my life right now that I'm in a winter season, not because I have losses, but because I have a deep need for preparation. I am preparing for something that's new that I know God is going to give me. God's told you, I'm going to give you this. You're like, "Woo! Jesus is going to give you this. What's he promising you? He's promising you a spring, but you don't have it yet. And so you're in a winter where you don't have a lot, But what you do have is time and you need to invest that time and invest in yourself and grow and develop until you can. So when spring comes, you're ready to sow, you're ready to plow. You got me? There's areas of my life right now I'm in winter. I don't like it. I hate it because I'm like, oh, I got to learn this crap. Sorry if I keep saying crap. I got to learn this. You know, you, you kidding me, man. You know, but I have to. If I don't learn it, I won't sow in the spring. I won't be able to sow in the spring. I won't know what I'm doing when spring comes. So I've got to learn this because God has promised me something that's gone on its way. There's other seasons, there's other places in my life where I've literally stepped into a harvest that, I, that was promised to me long ago. And some of these places that I've stepped in and I'm feeling like I'm in a harvest, it's insane how prepared I feel for it. It's crazy. I'm in this arena and I'm like, wow, you know, I'm ready for this. I'm ready for this. And do you know why? because I spent time sowing, and I spent time nurturing, and I spent time developing through long, hot summers. And you know what will happen? Fall will come. And when the fall season comes around, you cannot reap what you have not sown. You can't, you've gotta prepare yourself and get ready for the seasons. This is how life cycles, this is how life changes, this is how life and transformation comes. Another story, another day. Hungry for promises, I'm gonna go quick. Caleb was hungry for promises, right? He'd be hungry for purpose, he be hungry for promises. Caleb was, Caleb was hungry for promises. God made him a promise, yeah? He was gonna get the land. Everybody else died, everybody else gave up, everybody else, you know, done. Caleb came on the day that the promises were given and handed out, and Caleb walked up, pushed his way through the line. That brother's not waiting in line. He's been waiting 40 years for a promise. All you newcomers, hold on, I was in the wilderness. All you newcomers, hold on. I was faithful. I crossed that promised land. I stood in faith. I believed God for the promise that he's given me, and I've waited, and we're handing out promises. I'm first in line. I'm first in line. Yeah, come on. Uh You know what his name means? It tells you a lot about promises. Caleb's name means dog. If you want the promises of God, you gotta be tenacious like a dog. I got three of you. If you want the promises of God, you've gotta be tenacious like a dog. You gotta sink your teeth in the bone and not let go. You gotta fight for what God has told you you could have. You got to snarl at anything that tells you you can't. Like Selena with that doctor. Little Pato walked in. Pato walked into the office there. They're like, whoa. This isn't my promise. You got to sink your teeth in the bone and fight for what God has promised you. Because someone's going to want to take it from you. Yes. Someone's going to want to tell you something different. Yes. Yes. Did he say it? Nope. Nope. If he gave it to you, he's going to give it. If I not said it, will I not do it? If I've not promised it, will I not, will I not bring it to pass? He'll give it to you. Believe God for a promise. Partner with the promise. Move into the promise. Another story, another day. I'm out of time. Got two minutes. I'm going to nail it right here. Hungry for inheritance. Say, so when Jesus wants me hungry... These examples are examples in many different forms, but they are examples of hunger. He wants you hungry for what belongs to you, your inheritance. Not just the promises he made, but you have an inheritance. Read Ephesians 1. The prayer for the people is that they would understand what their inheritance is, what Jesus came to give you. Well, he came to give you salvation. He came to give you a whole lot more than that. Yeah, you've got eternal life. That's absolutely certain. In Christ, you do. You are forgiven, but you've been given an inheritance plan. Healing's your inheritance. It is. Do you know victory is your inheritance? We are more than conquerors. Victory is your inheritance. Provision is your inheritance. God will provide for you. It's your inheritance. His name is your inheritance. Wherever his name is, that's your inheritance. His presence is your inheritance. You can walk in this door. I tell people all the time, you can be shot out, broken discouraged, despair, you've made a complete mess of your life, you walk in here, you start worshiping God and immediately His presence comes. Why does His presence come? Because it's not predicated upon you. If you're in Christ, it's given to you as an inheritance. It's your inheritance. It's yours. You have to access it, but it's still nonetheless, it's yours. Here's the woman with the issue of blood. Woman with the issue of blood. She sees Jesus coming, walking down the road, crowd around her, she pushes through the crowd, she touches the hem of His garment. She touched the talith, the prayer shawl of the rabbis. They would have a prayer shawl on. They'd wind their fingers around the edge of the titzit, That's what the strings were called. And the thing was called a talith. And when they would lift their hands and pray, it would form wings. So when the pre- rabbis would pray, they would pray this. Highly likely, Jesus wore a prayer shawl. Highly likely. They all wore them. How do you know that? In the book of Malachi, it says, the son of righteousness comes with healing in his wings. And the word that's used for what she touched is the hem of his garment. And it's the, in Hebrew, it's titzit, which is the edge of his prayer shawl. He's got his prayer shawl on, and she touches the edge of his prayer shawl. Well, why did she do that? Because in Malachi, because she's a daughter, see, she knows the word of God, and she knows what belongs to her. And she says, the son of righteousness comes. Well, that would be him. And he has healing. In his wings, well, that would be the hem of his garment. So she touched him where she perceived the healing to be, Amen. in the hem of his garment. Imagine this, you're walking down the road, somebody just touches you. You know, the whole crowd's pounding on you. You know, I like to see this as a crowd surfing event because Jesus is walking down the road, there's crowds all over him, people are crowd surfing. Woo, Jesus, you know, touching him on the head, pushing him, doing all this stuff. Jesus stops and says, who touched me? The whole crowd's thronging him. Peter's sweating. Who touched you? Lord, you see all these people? And you want to know which one touched you? Jesus, I think the question is who's not touching you? But she touched him with intention, and she touched him knowing who he was. And virtue came out. And where did she touch him? At her inheritance. And what did he call her? He called her daughter. He didn't call her woman which he didn't have a problem doing. He didn't call her man, which she wasn't, but he called man, man, and he called woman, woman. He called this one daughter. Why did he call her daughter? Because a daughter understands who she is, and a daughter understands what is hers, and a daughter is willing to reach for it and press in and get on her hands and knees if she has to, get bloody, get messy, push through the crowd, and grab hold of what belongs to her. That's a daughter. That's a daughter. And so God wants us hungry for our inheritance. We have transformative power, Christian. That power is in the Spirit. That power is realized and actualized when we begin to hunger and pursue these things. Watch what happens. Find some things in your life. I don't have time, I'm out of time. I should probably do a seminar on this, just to be able to bring you to a point to get you to challenge and to actually activate this in your life. Believe God for something, ask the Lord to make you a promise. And ask him what the conditions are to that promise. There's always a key to the promise. There's always a key. Ask him what are the keys. Move into that promise. Ask God to make you hungry for your inheritance. Say, Lord, show me an area of my inheritance that I could pursue you for. I need provision. I need provision. Pursue me for provision. Call on Jehovah Rohi or Jehovah uh, Jireh. Lord, I need leadership. I need guidance. Call on Jehovah Rohi. He's the shepherd, he'll lead you. Lord, I need your presence. I'm freaking out. Everything's around me. I feel like I'm lost in the storm. Call on Jehovah Shammah. He is your presence. Begin to reach for what God has for you. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, I'm out of time. Love you. I bless you. Uh, We have a prayer team that's going to be available over here. We love you and bless you as well. If you don't know Jesus today, I can feel I'm trying to move on. The Lord's like, no, no. You see, God wants me to reach for you. If you don't know Jesus today, God loves you. And he everything you've been looking for and more. The Bible says he's the desire of nations. He is the longing of your heart. He is the meaning of your existence. You just don't know it yet. And that's why you're watching this. That's why you're listening to this. Because God has something for you today. And he wants you to come to know him today. You say, I don't know how. I'm going to help you. Romans says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and he has risen from the dead, you'll be saved. Jesus is just a prayer away. The Bible says he stands at the door and knocks. He's knocking at your heart right now. He can't open the door unless you do. But if you will open the door to him, the Bible says he will come in. He will make his home with you. He will forgive you. He will cleanse you. He'll set your life in a new order and a new direction. And if you want that, we're going to pray this prayer. It's going to be a very 40-second prayer. Elevate here is going to pray with you. And it would be my honor to introduce you to Jesus. So just open up your heart and open up your eyes or your heart and open up your mouth and say it. Don't be afraid. Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before the Father. But if you deny me before men, you I will deny before the Father. You see, we must openly confess Jesus. And so let's openly confess him this morning. Just say, dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Savior, and I need a Savior. I may not understand this, but I choose to believe it. And so I open my heart to you, Jesus, and I ask you to come inside I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to heal me. I ask you to restore me. And I ask you to repurpose my life. All that I am, I give to you. And all that you are, I receive as mine. From this day forward, I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Prayer team's available. God loves you. We love you. Fire starters at four. Have a great week.